For well over a hundred years now, Americans in virtually every large city and small town across this country have been gathering together in mass to watch Hollywood films. Now, from the beginning, movies have had an incredible influence on our appetites, our attitudes, actions, and sometimes even our addictions. From fashion to food to family values, movies have helped shape the American landscape. But movies have also helped shape our behaviors in ways that may actually be contrary to the wisdom and common sense that we find in Scripture, and which most of us are still trying to impart to our kids. So, walking that fine line between what's mere entertainment and what could be dangerous indoctrination has been the American parent's dilemma from the beginning. Discerning the power of movies in the course of raising kids. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And before we get started, I'm told I should mention that the concession stand will be closing in about 15 <laughs> minutes. So place your orders now. Trace, really from the beginning, the church has um, had a rather tenuous relationship with the film industry. Sometimes it's been decent, but at other times adversarial, to put it mildly. And that very same thing could be said for the relationship between parents and Hollywood, especially Christian parents. So what's your take on today's uh, Hollywood tinsel town and its influence on the American family as well as on the American church, I guess? Yeah, I, I think it has as much of an effect and influence on our kids and our families, our church, in our culture as it's ever had, hmm. uh, and, and probably more simply because of the incredible technology that's been afforded the industry in, in, in recent decades. But I've really been encouraged to see what appears to be uh, an uptick in movies with redemptive value in recent times. And uh, there, there are more coming out. I had a chance to preview uh, the movie I Still Believe uh, with, with a group of men and, and, and women committed to fatherhood in, in Rome, Georgia. And there, I, I met a lot of authors and, and many other people in the movie industry, uh, people like Stephen Kendrick, John Irwin, and, uh, and again, many others. And it really encourages me to know that more and more movies with redemptive themes and blatantly Christian themes are being made today and with greater financial backing and box office success these days. These movies are actually making money, Rich. So the production quality of these films are beginning to improve as well. And I think today's guest might need credit for some of this. Uh, as we deal with today's generation of kids and, and young adults, parents need to be aware of the fact that the production quality of a film can be as important as the storyline to the movie itself, and sometimes even more important to today's kids. Right. This is what draws them in. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we set our kids down in front of a gratuitously violent or sexually charged movie just because it has these awesome special effects. But today's kids have a tendency to fixate on the quality of a poorly produced movie, uh, which can diminish the benefits of a movie otherwise may have some great storyline and life lessons in it. That's just the world they come from. Uh, so welcome to the digital age. Uh, they've been raised on technology's best, and they get easily distracted from the greater point if things aren't packaged and produced up to their standards. Mm. Again, thank you, video games. But I'll tell you this. If the storyline is really compelling, 
uh, they can still get past a less than state-of-the-art production because every year, right before Christmas here at Shepherd's Hill, I tell our kids, all right, kids, we're going to watch a black-and-white film that was made in the 1940s. After seeing it, they absolutely love it. And when it's over, that we debrief uh, all the moral and biblical uh, principles in the movie. And they love that, too. They love going through it and, and picking it apart. The movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, these troubled kids actually get rejuvenated by a 70-year-old black-and-white film, even knowing that they'll be spending their Christmas here at Shepherd's Hill and not at home with their family. Anyway, hopefully today's guest will give us some insights on how movies can actually help rather than hinder our parenting experience. Well, th- th- thank you, Mr. Mr. Potter. <laughs> yes, That's a great film. Oh, I mean, you're I, wonderful, I, Billy, <laughs> saving alone. I could watch that time and time and time again. Mm. And, I, I, you know, quite frankly, its production values aren't that bad. It was the production values the of day. the day. But, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't have all the CGI that you have now. Right. Well, let, uh, let me introduce our guest on today's program. He's Dr. Ted Baer. He's the founder and publisher of Movie Guide, the family guide to movies and entertainment. He's also chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission Ministry, as well as being a noted critic, educator, lecturer, and media pundit. Ted says his life purpose is to be used by God to redeem the values of the media while educating audiences on how to use discernment in selecting their entertainment. Now, Ted has been with us before, which puts him in our highly esteemed category of repeat offender here on License to Parent. Well, Ted, welcome back to License to Parent, you repeat offender you. (laughs) It's great to be back with you. It's wonderful. Tell me what's going on in Tinseltown since we last talked. Yeah, because it's been a couple of years, I think, since we last had you on. It might be. Well, every year we do, you know, uh, an award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And when those started in the 1990s, uh, thanks to the John Templeton Foundation, and we've been doing Movie Guide since 85 uh, and the ministry against uh, since 78. But uh, when we started, there was only one movie with positive Christian content in 85, and there were only six mediocre family films because I had to see them all. And now they're just a flood of family films, and they're great. And last year there were several movies that were affirming old-fashioned marriage between a man and a woman, and that you had to take responsibility and give up your toy friends and start doing something good. And last year, content with positive Christian content, really strong positive Christian content, uh, compared did about six hundred million at the box office, five hundred forty-three million because we do the numbers. We look at one hundred percent of the films, movies with strong moral content did uh, three hundred thirty-three million, and movies with negative content did fifty-four million. So if you want to lose money, yeah. you can make negative movies. Uh, mm. And then the strong Christian redemptive worldview did 1.4 billion at the box office. So we give this big report to all these studio heads who come to our gala, and it's had an impact. And a lot of them, you know, love coming, and they say we can't get an Academy Award for our good movies. So they come to the Movie God Awards. Foul language, uh, no foul language, made a lot more money than foul language. Sexual content, the more sexual content, the less money you made. You've got to look at this report. It's mm. absolutely incredible. Alcohol, the more alcohol, less money it makes. More sexual nudity, the less money it makes. The more violence, the less money it makes. So every single category. And then the people got up, you know, in the beginning, they'd sort of uh, tiptoe around and say, I want to thank God. Uh, but this time, the former head of Columbia Pictures got up and said, uh, thank you, Jesus, and prayed in the name of Jesus. And then everybody got up, and we gave a visionary award to Kathy Lee Gifford. And Kathy Lee had sent me her talk, and it was all about, 
you know, uh, her role as a woman in the entertainment industry, which I said, it's okay. And then she got up and talked about Jesus and how much she loved Jesus and what a difference he made in her life. So we just had a complete revival at the gala, which was terrific, which I've invited you to every single year for many, many years. So every time we talk to each other, I'm going to remind you, come to the gala next year. It's on February 5th, 2021. We let very few people in that aren't in the entertainment industry, but we'd love to see you uh, as press and on the red carpet. Wow. So wait a minute. Trace gets to wear one of those gorgeous gold lame gowns and uh, do the whole carpet thing, right? You know, if if you come like some of the uh, Academy stars, Trace dressed in a dress, I'm I'm not going to let you on there. We're a different type of show. <laughs> More power to we're you. We're a little bit too old-fashioned. <laughs> by, by the way, Ted, you were just talking about uh, the, the various films that, that have done well and that have strong uh, moral themes and Christian themes. Um does the same thing in terms of, of success um, translate over to some of the issues-based films? I know Unplanned, for example, was one that got a lot of press uh, in this past year, and there have been others that are more issues-driven films. Are we seeing more uh, Christian issues-driven films as well? Well, you know, a lot of these films are, are issue-driven. We just don't recognize them because they make so much money. As I like to say, my favorite anti-abortion film of all time made close to 400 and what well no it went up to 518 million dollars and um it was about babies it started off with babies are made in heaven and uh that god is worried because people are having less babies and adopting more pets and satan is running an organization called petco and so God sends an angel down. The angel is asked one point if he's Jesus. He says, no, Jesus is the boss. And so it talks about Jesus. It talks about birth. It talks about anti-abortion, all those issues. But it does it in a very well-orchestrated, funny, pathos, emotion. It hits all the right spots, and it's over, made over 500 million by the time it was through. And that was called Boss Baby. So I love these issue-oriented movies. Uh, so... You know, Unplanned is doing well, and I love those guys, and they're friends, and they were at the gala, and they've been friends for a long time. But Christians need to understand how to make movies that reach a bigger audience. Now, my my son was arguing with me about this, one of my sons, yesterday, and saying, well, you know, you should be happy if they make some money. I am happy if they make some money. But I'd like to see them make movies that understand how you reach an audience. And as Walt Disney said, for every tear, you know, when Bambi's mother is shot, you've got to have a laugh. You get thumper mm-hmm. out there. Uh, making movies, is it takes a lot of work. Right. And a lot of these, what you called issue-oriented Christian films, which I love, I'm not saying I don't love them. I'm loving them when they make money. But they don't do over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And why is $100 million important? Because that's only 10 million people in a country of 340 million people. So as one producer, I, I, which he did, uh, the average is $1.7 million. I said, oh, you know, you didn't reach anybody. He said, well, I, I don't care how much money it makes. I said, well, why'd you make a movie? He said, I wanted to witness to Jesus Christ. I said, well, you certainly did that well. $1.7 million, $10 a ticket is 170,000 people. <laughs> it's probably you could have sent them the four spiritual laws in the mail or had a chauffeur drive him around to church for that amount of money. 
when you're spending seven million dollars to reach uh, 170,000 people, that's 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 wasting your money. Mm. So we do this class. We have a class coming up soon, and uh, we only let eight people in it. And one of the guys teaching the class has made is a Christian. He's made fourteen billion dollars at the box office. Yikes! So let's let's look at this. Do you want to reach the world for Jesus Christ? Do you want to be the next uh, Billy Graham of the movie industry? I'm not talking about Billy Graham's movies. I'm talking about the reach that he had. Right. Sure. Or do you want to just reach your little neighborhood in in uh, Spartanburg, uh, which I love, South Carolina? I mean, that's right. the question you have. Well, who am I trying to reach? Some people are just called to reach their neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm proud of them for doing that. Well, well isn't there something? But I also think a lot of people could be better if they just learn their craft. One friend of mine who just released a movie. They keep doing bad movies, and they said, "And they said, do you ever take a class?" They said, "No, I downloaded it from God." And I said, "Well, is God the lousy filmmaker?" The big movies like Chinatown had fifty-six drafts of its script. Writing is rewriting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If these great writers can write fifty-six drafts. Why do Christians send us Kairos Prize submissions? They write one draft, and if you don't like it, they think you hate them because they're not willing to take the time to learn how to write. Well, you oh, know, <laughs> you asked me the wrong question. I, I, you asked me the wrong question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just at a fatherhood initiative uh, in Rome, Georgia, where we got a chance to uh, preview the, the movie. I still believe uh, Stephen Kendrick was there, John Irwin, and he was actually getting uh, he, he was welcoming feedback and was willing to. It's not like he's willing to make changes to the movie before it got released. Uh, yeah, Andy, Andy and John have come up to uh, me because I was highly critical of a couple of their movies, and they said you last year. You know, um, they said you really helped us because before that they were making movies with three or four plots, and a movie has only one plot. You can only. If you were going to go see me today in Los Angeles, you couldn't also go to Washington to see the Donald. You couldn't go in both directions at the same time. Mm-hmm. And some of their previous movies didn't have a clear direction. Finding mm-hmm. Nemo is about finding Nemo. It's not about finding Nemo and finding George and finding Trace and finding this. It's one story. Is Well, anyway, you don't want me to yeah. teach you filmmaking. <laughs> but they've gotten much better. And when they get really good, when they get all those cylinders working on their car, when they get the car, they'll crack $100 million. Yeah. Well, kids today seem to be, I would say, maybe overly enamored with production quality. It's like they they go from one dopamine hit scene to the next to where, especially you know, with a lot of these superhero movies, is that always a good thing? I don't mean the production quality. I mean the dopamine hit that, that keeps these kids on the edge of their seat. Whereas I can tell you this, that, that kids today still are open to a really good story and the production quality doesn't need to be state of the art because every year I, I tell our kids, we're gonna, I want to show you a 70-year-old black and white film. It's a wonderful life. They love it. They absolutely love it. So where's that tender balance? Well, you know, story will trump all of the production money and everything else. You know, we had Lego Movie come up, the producers, and one of the producers at the gala said that his son, he sends him to Oaks Christian, which is the most Christian school in the neighborhood, and the, the other producer said, my mother is a prayer warrior. But they, for, for Lego Movie, they test every joke. 
mm-hmm. they take their time. It's not just a matter of money. It's it's testing it to make mm-hmm. sure. And Pixar, if somebody at the Pixar area doesn't like or doesn't understand a plot point, they try to go back and fix it. That's the Pixar rule. If you read the book, The Pixar Touch, and you'll notice that I'm at the beginning of the book telling them to do that when I was head of the departments at City University of New York. So kids want stories that are good. If you can tell them good stories, mm-hmm. it'll work better than anything else. And I agree, they, they like all the fancy production and everything else. But the Star Wars has fancy production, and the last two Star Wars have not appealed to people. They've They've sort of been letdowns for the fans mm-hmm. right. and that's not a lack of money it's a lack of story as one right. when we were in Cannes, one of the french reviewers said uh, to george lucas who cried at this point he said mr lucas you have no imagination you're telling the same story every time it's a lonely planet there's a little droid that just, you know he yeah. said, don't you have any imagination yeah. and and the truth of the matter is you gotta have an imagination yeah. so I don't care how much money you have. You've got to be able to tell a story. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, and our guest today is Dr. Ted Bear. He's the uh, top movie dog at Movie Guide, the family guide to movies and entertainment. He's also chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission. And uh, we'll be back with more conversation with him right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, where we're doing our best to export what we learn day in and day out here in the gates of uh, Shepherd's Hill 
to you as a parent to help you to be a little more intentional in your parenting. And we're talking today with a, a gentleman who may be able to give you some great guidance uh, as far as the type of entertainment you bring into your home or even onto your smartphone. He's Dr. Ted Baer of the uh, Christian Film and Television Commission. Uh, Trace, uh, I know we have had others in the film industry on here and, and other authors as, as well who have uh, tried to broach this subject of good storytelling and bringing that to the screen right. or to the page. Sure. Uh, Ted, we, we recently had uh, Andrew Claven on the broadcast. Uh, he claims to pull no punches with language and content in his books. As a self-proclaimed Christian, he claims there's a place uh, for that kind of realism the, 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 that he writes about. So I assume he has the same attitude toward film. Uh, maybe that's a false assumption. But in light of Scripture's mandate for taking every thought captive uh, as conscientious Christian parents, how do we make sense of this approach, especially when we're talking about you know, mere entertainment and, and even more especially when we're talking about our, our kids in the equation? Is his approach a valid approach or is there a balance? Just, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I don't want to go against Andrew because I like him and he's a friend and he lives near me and we've gone to events together. But the point of the matter is that movies are not reality. Back in the 1960s, there was a thing called cinema vanité where it was supposed to be, you know, the reality. The movies were reality and you had uh, the Maisley brothers who would go in and tape one woman for three or four days in her house to give you the reality. And 30 years later, they said, this wasn't reality. As soon as you bring the camera in, that means she does more makeup. You don't show her going to the bathroom. You don't show her washing dishes all day. You don't do... Every every edit is a choice. Every camera angle is a choice. You don't see the people behind the camera. There is no reality in movies. They're all a construct. And what the industry recognized a long time ago during the, nine, the golden age of Hollywood from 1933 to 1966, is you could have some very strong, powerful movies that didn't have any foul language whatsoever. In fact, I inherited the files from the Protestant Film Office, and George Heimrich, we used to be asked by the studios, okay, George, you don't like this word, go and rewrite it. And you can rewrite it. You know, the one thing about English, you know, and my uh, my son was going for his PhD in, uh, in uh, linguistics, is that you have more words in the English language than any other language, you know, over two million words. The French has about a couple hundred thousand. So you have a lot of choices. You don't have to use the S word or the F word, or et cetera, uh, to get your point across. And uh, every year when I'm teaching my class, I show a sign of a movie that did at the end cave in and get the bad language. And one was called Precious, Oprah Winfrey, Big Names, Tyler Perry, and it bombed at the box office because it was filthy and dirty. And then you had one that was the same storyline about a woman who took care of somebody who was an orphan, who had been abused, and then brought them out, and their lives changed, and the other one was Blindside with Michael Lord. Blindside that was relatively clean, except for one line at the end, and it did over $400 million, and Precious hardly cracked a couple of million. So, you know, every year I can prove to you uh, by the numbers, because we do the numbers 
that the foul language doesn't make it more realistic. We've got to leave room for imagination. And, and that can be said about books also. You can read very captivating stories in books, and your mind is basically making the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. it doesn't take a special effects department to pull that off. So, yeah. so you're right. It's the suspense. It's what you don't see that's quite often more yeah. intriguing than what you do. And I think, you know, when it comes to sex, I think you're seeing more sexual dysfunction today uh, with all this free lust that we're having out there uh, than we ever had in, in days gone by. That's a whole other topic. But I want to ask you this. Guys like Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino are considered geniuses in their field. But, you know, so was Hitler and so was the devil. But what kind of conversation should parents be having with their kids about, about these guys and the films they produce? Well, I've talked to Martin Scorsese about it at, at a dinner party because I said Hugo is your greatest movie, and he's done some very good movies. And then the movies which he goes over the top, uh, the direction is good, the story is good, but he doesn't know how to edit. You know, the editor is a key person. Now, I'll give you an example from another person that I've talked to, uh, Steven Spielberg. Before AI, Steven Spielberg's movies were doing extremely well in the oh, box yeah. office because he had the same editor. And he married his editor. She was a woman, by the way. It was before the 21st century. So, <laughs> but Spielberg thought he was too big for his britches. He fired his editor. And then AI was a mess and didn't make money. And his movies since AI have not done as well as his first few movies because they've been sloppy. And Scorsese is the same way. You know, so anyway, there's, uh, I can go into detail. Oh, I, think, I, think I told the, Scorsese, I, why, why did, you know, I said, Hugo is your best movie. I'm glad you did it. And he said, well, I made it for my kids. And I said, well, you should make every movie for your kids. That's yeah. what you should do. Uh, we, I got time for one quick question here. I think the arts in general, movies in particular, can be a greater force for perpetuating the gospel than even the institution of the organized church in America today. Am I a heretic for saying that? No, you're absolutely right. One of my, you know, when I used to teach at Berkeley, I was head of the department at Berkeley, I'd say, who are the greatest evangelists? Not that Berkeley would want to tell you that, but everybody come up with Billy Graham or Bill Bright or, or one of those famous people who are friends of yours and mine and who we love dearly. But I said, you know, that probably the person who reached the most people was a Jewish guy named John Heyman whose son, David Heyman, did Harry Potter. But John did the Jesus film, and I got uh, Bill Bright involved with him when he was doing Genesis Project to turn everything into a film, the whole Bible, and they carved out the Jesus film. And then uh, Vincenzo Labella, who did Jesus of Nazareth, who was a good friend. You don't know these names, but these movies uh, reached millions of people. I inherited a lot of the files of Cecil B. DeMille, and Cecil B. DeMille's uh, King of Kings, the one he did in the 20s, the silent version, was seen proportionally by more people in the world than anything else because of the fact that it was silent and more conversion. So if you go back to King of Kings, if you go back to Quo Vadis, if you go back to ben, the original Ben-Hur, if, not the 20s, but the but Charlton Heston. John Heston, yeah. All those films reach more people, and they reach them with the gospel, and I can give you a lot of testimonies about that, but it would take the rest of your uh, <laughs> weekend, so I'm not going to do that. Well, Trace and Dr. Bear, our time is up today. Uh, we've been talking today on Licensed to Parent with Dr. Ted Bear. He's founder and publisher of Movie Guide, the family guide to movies and entertainment. Uh, you can learn more about that at movieguide.org. By the way, that's also where you can find Ted's uh, book and uh, perhaps find the Reader's Digest version of some of this uh, data that he's been tossing out about 
how films are doing financially in the box office. And you can learn more about the work we do here at Licensed to Parent and Shepherd's Hill Academy on our website, licensedtoparent.org. You'll also find all of our past programs, some conversations on a lot of different topics vital to parents and their teens. You can sign up for our blog, and you can get on the bandwagon to help the work we do continue with your financial support. Running a residential program for troubled teens is always an expensive proposition, and uh, what that means is that there are families who may need the help but simply can't afford it. But you can help them. Simply click the Donate tab at the top of the page when you go to LicensedToParent.org. Your help will go directly to families in need here at Shepherd's Hill. If you want to learn more about the ministry and find out if we might be a good fit for your family or for someone you know and care about, click the link to Shepherd's Hill on our homepage. The guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trey Simbri, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.